Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Democrats in the House of Representatives are pressing drug makers to lower their insulin prices. But is the price we pay just corporate greed, or is it government falling down on the job? What do we really need to do to lower drug prices? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Helping us break all of this down today, we're really thrilled to have on the show Dan Lindquist, a former Utah State Senator, current Senior Vice President and Chief Strategy Officer for Intermountain Healthcare. He's also the lead architect and board chair for Civica Rx, a nonprofit generic drug company that expands access to generic drugs for everyone. Dan, thanks for joining us today. Uh, boy, great to be with you, my friend. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so... Uh, we, we noticed today this uh, strongly worded letter uh, from House Democrats uh, talking about uh, insulin, insulin prices, manufacturers. Uh, and so it always gets into this whole debate as, you know, is this just big corporate greed stuff and big pharma? Is this just government control over things? Uh, where does this all fall? But, of course, the real bottom line is this impacts real people every day, especially those uh, that need insulin. Yeah, boy, it's a it's an extremely complex situation uh, that shouldn't be this complex. Let me just say, um, many of the molecules of insulin are clearly past their patented life. Um, they are in the public domain. Obviously, as a society, we grant uh, innovators, drug uh, drug companies, and others um, who develop new products uh, a time where they have essentially monopoly pricing over their product. But once they reach their patented life. Um, the formulas uh, enter the public domain and are really owned by society at large. And what's what's um, disappointing to all of us who've watched what's happened with insulin is that the prices of insulin have not uh, fallen as they, as they should have. And there's a variety of reasons for that. Um, one is that it's extremely lucrative for um, everybody involved in the insulin supply chain. And, and that actually um, uh, it makes a lot of money, frankly, for, for, for retail pharmacies, for insurance companies in some cases, for the manufacturer themselves, and sometimes even employers who are shifting costs to their to their um, uh, own employees um, and, and lowering premiums and lowering their responsibility for for you know coverage or at least their economic responsibility. It, it is extremely complex, but but what. what you know, the, the saddest thing is the people who are getting hurt the most are the people who can least afford insulin. And uh, I've, I have three brothers. Um, one of them is now deceased, but three brothers who grew up with me who have type 1 diabetes. And I watch the burden of insulin um, not only just living day to day, but but the economic damage that has been done not being able to afford a life-saving medication for them. So um, the good news is that I think there's hope coming down the road. And, and um, this is one of the areas that Civic is looking very closely at. Uh, 
we think we could, uh, you know, manufacture insulin um, and, and take the complexity out of the market. And we're working on plans to do that, although those are uh, highly confidential at this point and still uh, early days, but we're working on it. Yeah, and uh, and I know that you work on a, a number of different uh, technologies and, and medicines in terms of uh, that whole part of the process. And uh, so we, we get the strategy portion of that, and we, we know that's a highly competitive and a real strategic place that you're that you're playing in. Uh, but I want to go back to this this idea of who these uh, who the prices really hurt the most, and it, it is either it, it's not always just the poor and the most vulnerable, though, though we often focus on them. There's also a big chunk of, of folks who deal with diabetes who are kind of in the middle class, but having to do that insulin, having to pay for those costs, and then all of the downstream uh, effects of that in terms of their own ability to get insurance and so on, uh, this wreaks havoc on, on a lot of lives and a lot of families and a lot of communities in the end. Oh, for sure. In fact, you know, Boyd, I think that the prices of insulin, um, and you could add in drugs like EpiPen and others where people... Um, where there's inelastic demand, where you need a product or, or your kid dies, um, uh, that, that gives enormous pricing leverage for the people who, who own that drug, market that drug, and actually con- control the supply chain for that drug. And as, as employers have shifted to higher and higher, higher deductible plans, more and more of that burden gets shifted onto the individual who end up paying full retail price a vial of insulin, which can be 250 to $300, when the underlying manufacturing costs of that vial of insulin are less than 10 mm-hmm. it, it really is egregious. And, um, and, and I just think over time, uh, you know, if there was a, uh, if there was a drug that uh, kind of lived up to your adage of owing your soul to the company's store, it's insulin, right? You're tied to it every day yeah. and you have no impact uh, ability to move the price. And high deductible plans have shifted much more of that cost onto the individual. And there have been some legislative attempts to to kind of limit the out-of-pocket and co-pays for, for diabetics. And that's positive, but, uh, and that's a positive direction. But I do think that until we break open the existing supply chain and, and, um, and really bring uh, new insulin manufacturers to the market with a transparent, you know, uh, pricing approach that this market's not going to repair itself. And yeah. so that was some of the things we hope to do with Civic, frankly, and, and we think we have the scale and the momentum to do it. Um, uh, but again, it's um, we're, we're in process and I probably can't come at, comment much more on our plans, but this is a problem that we think we can help fix. Yeah. And, and that is really what we're trying to get at today as we try to think again uh, about drug prices uh, and and costs and so on, and how that gets passed on to consumers and again individuals and families. Uh, and so, as you look at it from a from a high level, Dan, uh, how should we be rethinking drug prices and and how we deliver medicine and medical care in the twenty first century? <laughs> to me, um, there's a challenge here, particularly with drugs where there's no close substitute, because essentially you've got um, a, a, a free market type bent, and, I, and I'm a free market guy, Boyd, as you know, um, but you've got a situation where there's inelastic demand, meaning people need your product to you die, and, and very little regulation around pricing. That, that makes it very, very easy for, for companies to you know, manufacture as low, at the lowest cost they can and, and try to extract the highest cost possible. 
And, and in many ways, um, these are publicly traded companies who feel like they have fiduciary duty to maximize shareholder returns. And, um, uh, and that's problematic. But, but even if it were the government uh, to try to regulate this market, uh, it's so complex. I, I think they've demonstrated that it's been really difficult for them to actually come up with a regulatory environment that would actually make a difference. And that's why we think the role of companies like Civica, where uh, we're organized as a non-stock, non-profit corporation, and our mission is really simple. It's to ensure that essential medicines are available and affordable to everyone. What we're doing is entering um, the market as a, as a new type of competitor, one that is trying to maximize um, societal returns rather than shareholder returns. And, um, and that's allowing us to come in and rethink things completely differently. In fact, one of the things we're excited about at Civica is we think there should be a manufactured suggested retail price on every product that Civica makes so that, mm. so that when you're buying a vial of insulin or you're buying a Civica version of EpiPen or, um, or whatever drug we make, that on the bottle is printed what we think as a manufacturer is a fair price. And um, and so that transparency is clear to the individuals making the purchase. And and we think we can have, in many cases, uh, reduce the cost of these drugs for individuals by up to 90 percent. And yeah. and that's what we intend to do. But it's all with free market principles. We're not asking the government for any special favors. Uh, um, we can do this. We're just organizing a different type of company to do that with, again, the goal to maximize societal returns rather than shareholder returns. Yeah, fantastic. Dan Lindquist, thanks so much for breaking that down for us. That is rethinking uh, the kind that we like around here with those free market principles, transparency, uh, and really making sure we get the societal return, uh, not just the corporate return. Dan, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, Boyd, my pleasure. Thank you, my friend, for all you do. Think again with Boyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.